Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we pitch some new game ideas, but the concepts are paper thin. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how you doing today? I'm doing great. I um, You know how sometimes, for whatever reason, a song just gets like in your head, like you wake up in the morning, you throw the sheets off, and you just have like a song. Ready like, for another day. Yes. <laughs> Ready to seize the moment. And you just yes, have that's like... Right. You just have a song that, for whatever reason, maybe you haven't thought about it in years, but it is in your head. And this morning, that happened to me. And the song was That Don't Impress Me Much by Shania Twain. Patrick, do you love this song or do you like this song? I like this song. I don't love this song. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, It is a song that I associate very... It is on the type of radio show and radio station that my mother listens to. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I have a hard time separating it from my mother. <laughs> Does that make sense? I think your mom and I would get along. I think you would too. She's a, <laughs> she's a lovely woman. Uh, but so, so you had, you had uh, that don't impress me much in your head. Uh, is it still in your head or have you? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is a incredibly catchy song. So it's uh, mm-hmm. still in my head. Um, which is why I had to talk to you about it, kind of like the VHS tape in the ring. Oh, sure. So I die in seven <laughs> days or something? <laughs> but if it makes um, you feel any better, I'll die first. Oh, wait, no, because oh, I'm I passing mean, it on no. to you. Oh, phew. Well, oh, sorry about so that. so now I have to pass it on. Well, we've passed it on to the listener now, right. and I assume <laughs> that I will not be affected by this. Um, the worst is when you get a song stuck in your head, but you have no lyrics, and then you're like, how do I even look this up? Oh, yeah. how, do I, how do I ever find out what the song is um a couple weeks ago i got a text from uh previous guest of the show uh greg smith um and he said uh, i'm i can i send you uh a file of me singing and you can tell me <laughs> what song is stuck in my head and i said yes greg of course the answer is always yes he is open invitation you can do this whenever you want um and so he sent me actually i wonder if i have it no, it'll take me forever to find it. Um, but he was singing the uh, the Kakariko Village music from Ocarina of Time. Oh, I love it. And so I helped him identify it immediately, and he was forever grateful. Um, if you would like to hear more stories about Greg and music, go listen to our greatest Nintendo music of all time. Uh, Three-episode arc from the end of last year. It is a good time mark speaking of good times if people want to borrow my copy of sonic forces can they oh heck yeah they can kind of <laughs> heck yeah a qualified yes 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 a qualified, qualified heck can, yes a qualified heck yes which is the best kind of heck yes um all you gotta do is write into us at nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com gmail. and give us a mailing address where i can send you my copy as soon as i feel comfortable going into the post office um, and then I, you know, include return postage and you play it for as long as you want. You send it back to me. It doesn't cost you anything. It is the best deal in gaming. The best one. Unimpeachable. 
Um, so that's great. Everyone should participate in that. Um, uh, something else that people have been participating in, which uh, has been delightful to me, um, is that it seems that uh, Donkey Kong Country coming to the uh, SNES Switch Online, uh, and so partially that, but mostly our talking about it uh, <laughs> <laughs> a couple weeks ago, have, has driven people back to this Super Nintendo classic. Um, we got, uh, so uh, listener... Uh, A.V. Guerra at uh, Pismos Prismos Pickle on uh, Twitter uh, wrote to us and said, Hey, I, I wanted to say that I grew up with Donkey Kong Country and never beat it. In fact, I never made it beyond the first two areas. Aided by the generous help of the rewind function on the Super NES Switch Online, I finally took down that dastardly King K rule this past weekend. Uh, seeing that I do have some nostalgia for this game, uh, I can't say that my opinion is fully formed with uh, modern sensibilities, but I really enjoyed the game from start to finish. The secrets feel very rewarding. While the graphics leave, uh, while the graphics leave something to desired, I still find them charming. On the other hand, I have no prior experience with Donkey Kong Country 2 or 3. I'm very interested in playing them now, uh, and I only hope that they come to the SNES Switch Online soon. If they do, I'll be back here to report my thoughts. Uh, thank you, uh, A.V. Uh, Guevara, <laughs> um, for that perspective on uh, Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, it's nice to know that we're not crazy, because I think when we were uh, talking about the game, we, you know, like, we obviously have a lot of love for it, but how does it hold up for people who've never played it before? Right, and while that, uh, well, that listener doesn't fall into the camp, the, the true pure camp of having never played it before we also got an email from matt matt writes hey guys new listener here definitely going to become a regular after listening to the donkey kong country episode i'm 20 and up until this point i had never played any donkey kong games i was drawn to this one because i thought the art style was really cool and i had heard good things about the game in general just finished the game tonight and i gotta say i was impressed by the game overall i do have my nitpicks for example platforms are much smaller than they appear finicky hitboxes etc but i was but it was definitely a challenging platformer i know this is sacrilegious to the purists out there but i'm uh, extremely grateful for the rewind feature on switch this game would have taken me ages to beat without it definitely going to attempt another run without using the rewind at some point but for now i think this game holds up pretty well even by today's standards glad i found this podcast and hope you guys are staying safe during the pandemic matt um thank you matt we are right mark you're safe i don't always check in with you and say mark are you safe but you're safe right what if i was being held hostage for weeks and weeks and weeks and you and i was just waiting for you to ask that's uh i mean i would be a bad friend i guess (laughs) uh matt yes thank you so much for listening and thank you for writing in um do not feel bad about using the rewind feature i use it all the time and I got, uh, when we were doing our retro month for SNES games, I used it constantly. And I wish all games had it. Like when I was playing New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, like I would instinctively um, press like <laughs> like long hold the uh, L and R buttons to like try to bring it up. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> Yeah, I, I the, totally no, no shame in using uh, using the the rewind function. Uh, you know, a lot of these games are being developed in an era that's still like you know built on uh, like arcade sensibilities. Um, they, they, the 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 fact that a game over screen exists in any of those games is ridiculous. They want you to play to the end, right? <laughs> like you die, and the punishment should just be that you have to try it again. Like who cares? Um, and not that you have to like go back to the beginning and like play a level you already beat. Come on, get out of here with that. Um, 
But yeah, uh, good, good to know that it is uh, holding up for someone uh, who had no nostalgia for it whatsoever. Um, and thank you for the listen. Uh, one other uh, quick announcement before we get into the topic of the day, which of course uh, is that we will be pitching um, Nintendo or paper versions of other Nintendo franchises that aren't just Mario. Um, and this one is on theme. It is Paper Mario related. There is a Tetris Maximus this weekend. Uh, so from uh, Friday through Monday, uh, you'll be able to play the Paper Mario Origami King themed uh, Tetris 99 game uh, and you can play it for you know until you get uh, 100 points and then you get the theme forever um, I have a a little bit of a history now of being able to accomplish that in one game I'm gonna try to do it again we're all praying for you thank you um and look just uh make just don't 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 forget to uh check it out if you have nintendo switch online you have access to uh tetris 99 uh and then you can try and get this cool theme okay mark let's do it let's get into uh the topic of the week okay so look we know paper mario that's a given right <laughs> Uh, that's one that we know for sure. It exists. It's a series that exists. Nintendo took Mario and said, we're going to change his, uh, change its identity. We're going to change what the game is by adding a paper element to it. Uh, we're going to do that with other Nintendo franchises. Uh, but Mark, first, I think we need to establish what it is. Well, like what, what makes a, a Paper Mario game special? What are the identifying qualities of a Paper Mario game? Yeah, especially because, like, you know, the series has changed a lot since it was on, I guess it was 20 years ago, on the Nintendo 64. You know, the first two games, Paper Mario and then Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door, are, um, like, turn-based RPGs. And they have, like, companions, and those are, like, the things that, that are, sorry, the companions are usually, like, Mario archetypes or, like, character types that you know, like a Yoshi or a Goomba or a uh, Koopa, and then with some sort of twist on it. Like in Thousand Year Door, the, the young Yoshi is like, lit, like has a punk aesthetic, like that sort of thing. And, yeah. but then later as like the series has gone on, like it, it, uh, lo- it moved away from that turn-based combat system. It's been trying like new, different combat systems. But so I feel like for me, the one thing that has really held true through all of it is like, it is known for its, um, like quality of writing and its sense of humor. Yeah, I think a sense of humor, uh, like especially, you know, we 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 say that all of the um, Paper Mario games are are well written, um, but that is almost exclusively like reserved for um, the humor in these games, right? Like they are not uh, they are not like grand epics, right? Like Mario is on, uh, you know, usually a quest to restore something, you know, very. Um, t- seemingly trivial to mm-hmm. to the Mushroom Kingdom, right? Um, and uh, but it is it is always like good natured. It is always like fun. Um, you're always traveling through a kingdom that is uh well populated with like different little peoples. Uh, and the villages are always like interesting and have like some sort of hook to them. Um, 
So I, like for, for me, that's one of the, you know, yes, the writing is excellent, but these are in no way story-based games, right? Right. Um, you're experiencing little vignettes, almost little like comedy sketches, right? Like uh, your interactions with uh, even a, a boss or like in a town can feel like, you know, they identify uh, the game, the one unusual thing, and then play it over and over again in all the funny ways that they can. Um, and then uh, you move on to, to the next area. Um, I think also that, like, you know, you mentioned that the the games have moved away from turn-based combat. Um, I think that's only, like, partially true, right? Like, uh, Super Paper Mario is probably the one that is the least, like, turn-based. Um, but even, uh, like, Color Splash and Sticker Star, um, you you are, like, waiting your turn to make your decisions. Um, and it's just not, like, quite... Uh, it's not like pure menu-based combat, I guess. Yeah, that's that's true. It's like such an interesting distinction. You're 100% right, because like even Origami King, it is 100% turn-based, right? It's not like an action game where everybody's attacking at once, and it is still menu-based. Like, you solve the puzzle at the beginning to set, to turn mm. the rings, to like set the enemies in certain orders, but then you're choosing from your like available attacks or items, and you have like two or three options depending on um how many like turns you were able to take and then you go and then the enemies go so it is completely still turn-based yeah 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 but i mean i think i think it's important to uh i i think the uh it, it moving away from like a turn-based tradition is like a commonly accepted narrative and like you know i dude, i just just wanted to push back on that uh, a, a tiny bit um so i think also the physicality of paper while not built into the uh, like original Paper Mario and not Super the Thousand Year Door, even though like it still is there. Um, but like the physicality of the paper and the paper characters has become uh, more prominent in uh, the more recent games. You know, in um, the Wii U one, you are literally applying color. Um, in Sticker Star, you know, there are stickers, like the sticker is made of paper. Origami King obviously is dealing with uh, origami folded paper. Um, so I feel like that's something that we should also try to incorporate the physicality of paper um, into, these into these game concepts. I also think another, uh, another kind of defining aspect is that they take these games take place in like a version of the Mushroom Kingdom or they're like centered in the Mushroom Kingdom that we know, but you're going to places that you've never seen before, right? Like you're yeah. going to new locations that are at best tangentially related to the Mushroom Kingdom and sometimes like not related to the Mario that we know at all. Okay, all right, that 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 that's interesting, and and I think that probably gives us uh, our criteria, right? Um, so these games are um, fun and funny and narrative, but not in like an epic sweeping kind of way. They are uh, turn-based combat systems. They uh, utilize the physicality of paper, uh, and they ex they take place in the existing world of the characters, but in a way that expands on uh, on uh, expands on that world in a way we haven't seen before. Yeah, those, I think that makes good, a ton of sense. Great criteria. Okay. Um, so, Mark, we have a list of how many Nintendo franchises here? 53. 53. And, of course, uh, we are using the term Nintendo franchise here uh, pretty loosely. Almost anything that has representation in Super Smash Brothers uh, is on our list here. Um, and we are going to use a random number generator to pick our first... Uh, our our first game to pitch. Mark, are you ready? I am ready. 
the first number I'm generating on uh, from 1 to 53 is 34. Brain age. <laughs> Easing ourselves in with an easy one. Uh, with an extremely tricky one, I think. <laughs> uh, brain age is tough because, uh, you know, it's not as though there uh, are a lot of, like, characters or anything like that in there that we can use. There's no world of brain age um, or, or anything like that. I, it's Dr. Kura. Kawashima. And so, Kawashima. Exactly. <laughs> and so I think, like, in a brain age world, Dr. Mm-hmm. Kawashima, like, if we're going to map things onto Paper Mario, right, like, or yes. onto the Mushroom Kingdom. In a Brain Age world, I think Dr. Kawashima is probably our Mario-esque character. Like, he's probably our um, playable character. Mm-hmm. And I think the equivalent of Toads is probably Numbers, right? You use them I Sudoku, thought Numbers, too, like, yeah. yeah. You have to, like, see which numbers are red and then write that number. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wonder... If, but what about like the world? Like, what is what world is Dr. Kawashima's brain training paper version existing? Right. So here's here's what I think it. I think it's a school, right? I think mm. I think in in some ways, because especially if we're gonna like still make it like a turn based RPG, um, that he sh- this should really almost be like a, a you know parts of a Persona game, except you're playing as a teacher instead yes, of a student. Yes, so, so maybe Fire Emblem Three Houses, where like Ooh, Edelgard yeah, sure. is like like the professor of a of a, a house, and so yeah, like same sort of thing where like you are set to the rhythms of a school day as Doctor as Paper Doctor Kawashima. Uh, that's great. And you, uh, so you, what, what, okay. So like the gameplay would be that you are preparing your students for different athletic competitions. Um, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's, uh, you know, mathletes, sometimes it's a <laughs> debate club. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's all of those things. And so you, yeah, have to sometimes like, they want to do it all. So mm-hmm. they're in like academic decathlon. Look, we all know those kids, right? So you have to you have to like assign them homework. You have to grade their homework. And sometimes, look, some of the kids have more fragile egos than others, and you have to kind of goose their grades a little bit, but not too much because you still want them to work hard. And by kids, are we saying numbers? Is that what we like? This is a great question. Uh, <laughs> are are your students numbers? That may be too abstract, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I think that's fair. I think. That okay, talking about like Origami King style Paper Mario, that um you would have Dr. Kawashima, Paper Dr. Kawashima, you would have um the different students who each have like a different teenage archetype personality, right? Yes. You have your Wiccans, you have your like drama club kids, you have the people who like to play. Those sports. are the only two types. Those <laughs> are the only two types. <laughs> Look, it's a it's a Venn diagram. Right. And uh, some people are in the center and they're like drama kids who also do like practice Wicca. Um, But then like the toads that you're trying to collect in this game would be numbers. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And there would be uh, the numbers uh, zero through nine hidden in every uh, in every wing or like every classroom or whatever, like the unique spaces are that you explore. Who is the bad person in a like who's the villain of a paper brain training game Mm, that's tough do you Uh, think it's like i hesitate to say it but i think the (laughs) player 
Because that's always that's always how uh, my brain training games ended was I was defeated by myself and just wanting to move on to something else. <laughs> well, but I think it would be, I mean, yeah, I'm totally on board. It's the player, but I think it's the player's like brain age. Like I think the, right, like the goal of even a paper brain age series would be to lower somebody's brain age or to keep working yeah. at it. And I think like, the enemy is like the villain is like the player not wanting to train their brain anymore. Yeah. So maybe there, maybe we have to like come up with some uh, physical manifestation of like brain atrophy, right? Something that is working against you to age the brains of the youth of tomorrow. The, yeah, the, uh, I guess they're the youth of today, but the <laughs> adults of tomorrow? The older brains of tomorrow. Right. So the, the enemy is a, is a, is a giant old brain. That's what it is. <laughs> could it, uh, and I know that this is crossing streams a little bit, but could it be in a like cameo appearance, appearance from another series, a, could it be mother brain? Could it also be Andross's brain from Star Fox? We don't know. <laughs> good. <laughs> All right, this is good. I think our, our first uh, paper brain age, uh, an unqualified success. Um, Mark, are you ready to uh, encounter on our next, uh, a, a, to embark on our, on our next game? Let, let's do it. Okay, uh, from 152, random number generated is four. Star Fox, speaking of Andross. Um, this one, uh, geez, you would think that this would be pretty straightforward, right? Because like, there's a lot of lore in Star Fox, right? Yes. Uh, actually, a friend of the show, June, sent me a YouTube clip, um, a couple of weeks ago that somebody, like an artist had made a fan made like trailer for what a paper Star Fox could be that's Whoa. up on YouTube. And it's Whoa. super cute because like all of the characters have like really cute like animated like chibi versions of themselves and so i'm gonna need you to take the lead here patrick because otherwise i'm just going to be talking about like in that is the image of a paper star fox game in my head that's all i'm going to be talking about uh well so i i mean i think it would be tempting to try and just do like a full like uh you know system wide you know where like you go to multiple planets um and have to uh, you know, save something on each of the planets, and so I guess my 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 uh the the my central question here is: Are we flying in in uh Paper Star Fox? Like, are they in the R wings, or is it like turn based combat uh on foot? Or mm, mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying? Like how. How exactly to uh, implement the turn-based combat portion of this? Um, or are you just doing it like it's a turn-based dogfighting somehow? Right. Because like the like prime version of Star Fox, I would say, yes. is like Star Fox for the SNES and Star Fox 64. And those are, they have no like ground sections. They're all just like, you're just in the ship. You're on rails. You're in the ship. Um, yeah. I do think it would be interesting to find a way to make to incorporate that into the combat. I wonder if you almost do like a Starlink type thing, where like the RPG ish element of it is like gaining new 
like abilities for your ship. And that's like the equivalent of the stickers or like the badges from the earlier games. I mean, this would, uh, you know, just based on the way that Star Fox looks and like, you know, one of the things that they've preserved even in the later Star Fox games is that the ships still look very like polygonal and like, you know, the, the shapes are still very like severe if um, that also has an origami element to it, too, that you are um, like getting the paper and like folding the ships yourselves and you can like fold you know, the paper into different ships um, and like transform your ships in the middle of combat by like using a different origami, uh, you know, method or, or something like that. No. Yeah. Oh, totally. I do wonder. So in the, uh, the Star Fox games that I'm familiar with and I qualify it because like these, this element might exist in some of the games that I'm not so familiar with, but like, I feel like there's not really a toad, like a race in, um Star Fox like there's no just like background characters right i feel yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's just like the main characters and those are the people that we know and rarely do we just see like a city of like you know people going about their day or Star Fox inhabitants going about their day i don't know what the equivalent would be i guess they're all just animals yeah yeah and they're all just different kinds of animals but that raises an, an interesting question because like um, you know, one of the things with uh, Mario, with Paper Mario, is that he sets out on a journey, and maybe this is something that we needed to uh, dig into more when we were defining it. Um, he sets out on a, on a journey, but he doesn't set out on this journey with Luigi and the princess and Yoshi. Like, his allies are new allies, right? Yeah. So, should, it, should A, should the main character of this be Fox McCloud, and B... If it is, should he have the rest of Star Fox with him? That's a great point. I mean, I think you would definitely encounter the rest of Star Fox. Um, yeah. But, but I agree with you. Yeah, they're probably not the companions. Um, sidebar, do you think that uh, the, like, frog species of Slippy Toad is the, yes. um, like, toad equivalent do I think that the toads are the toad equivalent? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah, so that's actually a really fun idea because it's like, yeah, who else exists? Who else could exist in this like Star Fox universe that would be fun companions that we like haven't really seen before? So here's here's a uh, maybe a, a radical shift here is instead of having Star Fox be the main character, maybe Falco is the main character, um, so that he like he can lead a band of because I guess they're already sort of like mercenaries, right? Star Fox is already mercenaries, like they're not part of the Galactic Army or whatever it is, right? Are they not? I feel I, I don't think they are. Okay. Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. They're not. They're just, uh, they follow the wind. Well, because at, at the end of Star Fox 64, uh, General Pepper offers to like induct them into the army and they're like, no, thanks, General. Uh, <laughs> were they exactly at, were they at one point associated with it or like some of them, Unclear. like are they retired? Right. Well, we won't figure it out on air. I'll we, look it yes, up later. That's right. <laughs> I think, okay, so I think this should be uh, centered around Falco and maybe, um, you know, after, like, after he gets kicked out of Star Fox for being too much of a salty dog, right? That, like, no one, yes. no one wants to put up with his attitude anymore. So he puts together, like, a new band of mercenaries to, like, do stuff across the Lilat system. 
picks yes. up odd jobs. Right. Yes. Odd jobs. And I think that's maybe that solves all of our problems, right? Because we are no longer, it's not about space combat anymore, right? Yes. He's just trying to like make his way in the universe. And so he's just doing odd jobs. And so it's great. He's going from like planet to planet and he's encountering like totally new species that we've never seen before. And uh, yeah, like he has to do stuff like, you know, work a roofing job for the summer. <laughs> here's here's an idea um and then we, we'll have to come up with what this thing would be um but let's steal from the mandalorian here let's make let's put falco <laughs> out in the the uh, like reaches of space uh where he's taken like odd jobs uh and then has to protect like a baby andros or something i think that's exactly what it would be because my immediate thought was like what's like old wrinkly in um like the star fox universe and it's 100 percent andros yeah for sure uh all right uh that that that's great i'm very excited for paper star fox mark are you ready to do another game yeah let's do it okay from uh, on a scale of one to 51 the random number generator is giving us number 40 scroll down here <laughs> ice, climber. Be a tough one. ice climber ice climber How's this? we got we got ice we got polar bears mm -hmm. we got um like a pink and blue twins they have names don't they they're like uh, is it like po 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 and na na na, or just po po and na na, or something like that? Yeah, let me let me look it up so that way we're getting this one hundred percent correct. It's maybe Pepe, Pepe and Nana. Oh no no no, sorry, uh, that's the in the German version. Po po and Nana. Po po and Nana. Okay, yeah. I was I was either close or I don't remember what I said. <laughs> <laughs> po po and Nana is the correct answer. So Popo and Nana, uh, they are they wear parkas and they climb mountains. That's basically what we know about them, right? And they fight polar bears who wear like swim trunks and uh, have sunglasses on, right? Yep. And they're trying to, um, I think they're trying to get stolen vegetables back from like yeah, a that's bird. right. Yeah, or like a um, uh, what's that flying dinosaur called? Pterodactyl. <laughs> Could be uh okay okay so maybe this uh maybe in this game uh all of the all of the ice melts right uh they're they're up at the top of their mountain doing what they do all of the ice melts and they have to travel back down to the valley to restore you know winter to the mountain yeah that's just that's the story i'm pitching yeah yeah a hundred percent um brand new character some kind of evil wizard down there who stole winter <laughs> yes how uh what is there something that, is there some way to incorporate like the cold uh the like the the element of cold you know yeah. with ice climber yeah and paper like well here's paper here's doesn't it, do anything when it gets cold no but it does do stuff when it gets wet and so that's i think you know like in um uh like the sticker star, or I think also color splash, right? There's like this element of like a finite resource, right? Yes. And so what if we do something like we take that idea of the finite resource and we steal from the like Dead Rising series, the first two, where it's like you have a finite amount of time in which to like accomplish your tasks. And because it's like a Nintendo game, it'll be a little kinder. So it's like each area has its own timer, but it's like, look, yeah. you can only be out of the cold for so long. And so the longer that you're out there, like the weaker your attacks become because like you there, 
all of the winter has because turned they're to... warming up. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. I, I I like this. So we're we're projecting a little bit of like a Mister Freeze quality onto Popo and Nana, uh, where they have to be in the cold. And look, they lack the technology to develop a suit that's going to keep them cybernetically cold all the time. Um, so yeah, I I love this. They always have to retreat back to their ice cave cool down and then come back out where they slowly warm up and get as much done as they can. Also, I'm totally fine, like a hundred percent fine. Um, projecting this like backstory on Popo and Nana where like their parents have a terrible disease. And so they have to be frozen all the time. So when this evil wizard like melts the, um, uh, the ice caps of their world, it's very upsetting for them, obviously. So there's like high stakes to this game. It's not just, you know, that they've got to make the polar bears cold again. It's like, no, there are like people's lives at risk. Um, I love it. Also, uh, you know, as long as we're dealing with like melting ice caps, uh, we may as well make the wizard, this evil wizard who's stealing winter, uh, uh, a metaphor for uh, climate change. So his name is going to be like Exxon Mobil or something. Uh, right. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is good. Um, it's good. Uh, and it, it teaches us something. And yes, I feel like right. you can't really do much better than that. Um, also, I like the idea that, uh, you know, Mario in the Paper Mario games usually has a hammer. Um, and these guys are going to carry that forward because they also uh, carry a big hammer. Oh, yeah. It's perfect. It's kismet. Um, all right. Wonderful. Mark, we are going to do another game. This is now 1 through 50. Uh, let me delete Ice Climber. What number was that? 40? 40. Something like that? Okay. Uh, Ice Climber has been removed. Now 1 through 50. The random number generator has given us number 22. Ring Fit Adventure. Ooh, this one's tough. Actually, these are all tough. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ring yeah. Fit Adventure, the, the game itself, right, like the avatar you control is, of course, just like some uh, dude or dudette. Uh, right. of your choosing because they're a player avatar so they're just supposed to be yourself um but i wonder if maybe and look i've gotten far enough to find out if like the ring itself which in the game like talks will end up like transforming into a person or something like in a disney movie because maybe that's how yeah. that game ends but what if we do the like uh the dragon the bad dragon instead and say like yeah, that, Drago. That, yeah, Drago. That like the super buff dragon Drago is the main character of the game. But it's before he got super buff. It's before yeah. he like yeah. So like the uh, so he's just like a normal dragon who like has yet to like learn about CrossFit. Uh, this is adorable, by the way. Uh, like I want to see this skinny. It's a scrawny little dragon, uh, probably getting like bullied at school or something, um, and has to explore, you know, has to try to make his way in uh, the world of Ring Fit Adventure, where every everyone is talking about smoothies. Everyone is talking about <laughs> like uh, doing squats. Like everyone is so focused on fitness and that just never appealed to him. Um, and so this has to be like, uh, a story about him like discovering that like he needs to take care of himself. Yes. And we're not just talking like, you know, like physical, like getting in shape or whatever. We're also talking like, we're, yeah, we're not talk talking about physical health. We're also talking about like 
dude, you've got to take a shower. Dude, deodorant is like a must do. Um, yeah. Well, and also like, you know, look, at the end of the school day, don't just go home and watch reruns of The Simpsons. Like go out and socialize, meet people, read a book, you know, like these are all things that you need to be doing to make yourself a more well-rounded individual. Yes, absolutely. And so I guess the question is like, what is the ultimate goal? Like what is he like mm-hmm. headed towards? Isn't it an event? Is it prom? Is it um, meeting, like, you know, like, his mom's getting married to, like, a new guy, and so he's got to figure out where he, like, fits in? He's got to, he's got to impress his new stepdad, is is, is what it is. (laughs) Well, he's got to impress his new stepdad? Or he's just got to, like, he's just got to, like, become, like, a a well-rounded individual with the confidence to go to the wedding and know that the important thing is his mom Mm -hmm. being happy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's good. So the 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 ending sequence is his mo- <laughs> is his mother's wedding, yes. right? And you have to get through that. You have to look. You have to hang out with your aunts and uncles that you don't yeah. see very often. And I cannot um, stress enough that the main character yeah. of this game is like a skinny dragon, yes. still wearing a that's singlet, because right. that's just what oh, people still, wear. In still this wearing world. the singlet. That's just what people okay. wear in this world great point um and uh, he has to get through uh he has to get through the ceremony he has to get through the reception he probably has to do a dance on on the dance floor he 100 percent has to do a dance because like uh his stepdad is like of course you're going to be you know like a groomsman and we've all been coordinating like this dance to backstreet boys and you're going to um be performing in it because i love you um so does this game use the uh, ring con. I think it does. I think it does. I think this too. is going to be a, another ring con game. And I think, uh, it, it's you, so, you know, in, in all of these things, uh, you'll still have to, it's still going to be like turn-based again, uh, much like, um, uh, ring fit adventure. Um, but in all of these, in all of, uh, Drago's activities, you're going to be like enacting them on the, in the ring con in, in, in one form or another. Yep. Um, and so you'd be using it to dance at the end. It all, it all makes perfect sense. Oh yeah, a hundred percent, absolutely. I, uh, who do you think is like friends are like? Who else populates the world? Yeah, um, I would say probably other like mythological monsters, uh, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That could one day grow up to be super buff. Um, I don't really like the uh, like enemies in Ring Fit Adventure, like to be you know, like I don't want like some you know one eyed frog thing, um. You know, I want I want his friends to be like a minotaur, a sphinx, uh, you know, a yeah. manticore. Like, let, let's let's go back to like the classics here and get like some you know really messed up like uh, mythological classical monsters in there. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um. All right, Mark, you want to do another one? Yeah, let's do another one. Uh. Okay. Now on. Uh. Wait. One to forty nine is what I'm doing now. Okay, the number is 48. Oh, and I haven't actually uh, deleted Ring Fit from, from our list yet, so it, well, we're looking at the wrong one right now. Mark, don't look. Don't look yet. <laughs> 48, unfortunately, is Persona. 
Now, I did put a question mark next to this because, well, uh, Persona 5 is represented in Super Smash Brothers. There are no mainline Persona games on Nintendo systems. Should we throw this one out? I think uh, I do think we need to throw it out. Uh, we should probably explain that the reason it's on this list at all is because it's in yes. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Yes, that's right. Um, so it's there, but also we kind of already burned the Persona idea on uh, <laughs> brain training. Yeah, like why why kid ourselves? Like that is the er Persona game. So that's right. Um, okay, so now on a uh, one to forty-eight, the new random number generated is number three. Number Metroid three is Prime. Very good. Um, Metroid Prime, very fertile ground for uh, storytelling. Um, I think one of the big challenges here will be finding a way to make it cute. Yeah, I think so too. Although I so. I'm feeling like Samus Aran should still be our main character of this game. I do too. I, I think uh, it's they don't often try to take us away from Samus. Um, in fact, I think the only Metroid game that does is uh, Federation Force, right? I think so. And I don't, know, I don't think anyone cares for that. I think actually this may be one where we have to uh, ditch the cuteness of the paper aesthetic and uh, go for something a little different. Like maybe, uh, you know, everyone is, is still like uh, drawn and still like animated on like a, a paper background, but instead of being like cute cartoon characters, they look more like Jim Lee drawings or something. Oh yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I wouldn't want to lose like the humor of the series. I don't know that it necessarily has to be like super cute. Um, yeah. But, and so, but I do think like humor is like a really important part of it. And I would like to see the companions be, you know, like in the Paper Mario series, we've seen like Goombas, like Koopas, like all that kind of stuff. And I would like to see it be Metroids. Like I think Metroids should talk and have personality. And I'd love to see like Metroids, you know, wearing like a newsboy cap and carrying like a yeah, saddle, you know, cute. like a, that's, that's, a messenger that's bag, like all that kind of stuff, you know? And let's, ooh, ooh, ooh. How about we set it in the like, early to mid 2000s okay what do you mean um <laughs> like on earth <laughs> yeah what do you <laughs> exactly early to mid 2000s if people All right. have like turned up collars they're wearing like two layers of t-shirts mm, um okay. that is kind of like the avril Levine, um like mall punk aesthetic is what i'm imagining for samus aran in this um paper metroid series sure so it's it's sort of a um uh like a are we doing like a high school au here like is is this an alternate universe where samus is in high school with metroids and like the other look samus as we know has a, a good relationship with animals right right um there's that like uh green ostrich thing there are those like little green monkey guys that like help her to bounce off the walls and i understand we're talking about metroid prime and i'm just using examples from super metroid it doesn't matter um but uh, that those can be her classmates um, in this alternate universe. I like uh, you're you're pitching a uh, like Avril Lavigne type that like Samus is like kind of a moody um, like goth girl, right? Because like she's going to be an awesome bounty hunter, but she's not necessarily like a bounty hunter as we know her yet. So I would say let's take this out of the school, and maybe she is actually just like at a mall right it's summer she's working her like summer job 
and the different like worlds that you're traveling to are like a department store, the movie theater, the food court, the food yeah. court, and like because that's the perfect place to meet like different um, like NPCs or different companions. Yeah, no, that 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 that's perfect. Uh, so the what is the combat like in this game? So obviously, uh, we want to bring in like some element of of turn based combat. Um, Oh, well, actually, wait, but, but before we get to that, uh, you know, I know I said like uh, Jim Lee drawings, but maybe this is more like um, high school doodles in in like a notebook or something that like that's mm, the visual style. Mm-hmm. That'd be really fun. Um, yeah. So the uh, yeah, the, the the combat then like, you know, this environment is a little bit weird to be introducing like ice beams and stuff like that. Like what are where 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 are we? Well, well how, how are we incorporating that? Here? I do think like that's like an important part, right? Is you have the um, of Metroid in general's like this idea, and so I wonder if maybe like it is a mall and it is summer and it, she is like um, of that time, but there's a bigger like outside event that is causing, uh, right? So like the the people that she's like uh, like in combat with are some sort of invading force that would cause um because like it is earth but it doesn't have to be our earth so maybe like people well, it's are got equipped metroids with, like, on it so right <laughs> so maybe like people are equipped with like ice beams and stuff like that's just a normal thing for people to have like laser pointers what if uh what if instead of um like we can even make samus a little bit younger here instead of being like a a high school sort of scenario maybe it's uh Maybe it's more like a a water gun war kind of situation mm-hmm. um where like the different upgrades are like different types of water guns. Someone has a super soaker, someone is just like staked out by the hose. you can get uh you know um water balloons and stuff like that, and all of those are like mapped onto you know the the ice beam, the plasma beam, the power bomb, all that sort of stuff, yep, totally, but it's just important to me that whatever the age that um she has a best friend that's a Metroid. And who is super into her, but can't like work up the courage to say anything. That's uh, amazing. I love it. Um, all right, uh, Mark. You, look, uh, you uh, you teased me about having something uh, insightful to say about Zelda. So I would like to now not do a random number generator and just do a paper Zelda game. So I I hesitate to say that it's insightful, but when I was thinking of like. Of different scenarios that I'm might sorry, come I up. Sorry, I built it up too much. <laughs> my, my bad. <laughs> different scenarios to talk about in this episode. One of the things I was thinking about was like, do you think that Link's Awakening basically has like the tone? Like, if you just took the story and the dialogue and the NPCs and everything from Link's Awakening, that that's basically what you would want from like a paper Zelda series. Like, yes, Absolutely, the aesthetic yeah. would change and maybe the combat would be a little bit different. But basically, I feel like the bones of a Paper Zelda game are right there in Link's Awakening. Yeah, well, I mean, that 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 is 100% right. So I think what you're saying is Nintendo has done the work for us and already made a Paper Zelda game, and they did it back in, like, 1993 or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has, like, a lot of the things that, you know, we associate and love about the Paper Mario series is, like, oh, we're taking, like enemies from different games but they have a spin on them or like some surprising personality like i think of the bow wow in um you know the uh link's awakening and just like all that kind of yeah, stuff with the bow in her hair yeah yeah and like that's like something that would continue to return in the mario series at large but all of that was done in like link's awakening 
Uh, yeah, that's really smart. And also just like thinking about the the way that uh, the Link's Awakening remake um, like plays into the cuteness of that world, right? Or like articulates it in a way, not in a specifically <clears throat> paper way. Um, you know, they, they use more of like the diorama aesthetic. Um, but, but definitely yeah, crafted, like, like definitely like crafty totally. for sure. And de- definitely like leaning into the physical aspect, like if everything feels like it's real. Um, uh, and maybe like craft isn't totally right, but like you look at the leaves and like they feel like they're like vinyl or plastic or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's good. Mark, I really like that. And I like <laughs> that we don't have to come up with anything for it. <laughs> Um, all right, so those are just some uh, uh, paper Nintendo franchises that we came up with, but we I'd love to hear uh, everyone else's ideas on what could make a cool paper franchise for Nintendo. So if you have a, a good one that you'd like us to talk about, please write into us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us at uh, NinCart Society. We uh, get messages there too. All right, Mark, let's close this out. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter or uh, write it on a little note and fold that note up into a swan and present it to someone uh, because it's origami and the topic is Paper Mario. I'll keep going. Um, <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening. Rachel, Oscar. Yeah, Claire? Claire? Do you love Disney movies? Uh Uh-huh. Have you seen them all? Not Not all of them. What do you guys think if we watch them all in chronological order and then talk about them? Ooh. Oh, and what if we can talk about it with some of our favorite friends? (gasps) I love that. Yeah, what if we do it inside the Disney vault? You know, that's the name of our podcast, Inside the Disney Vault on Campfire Media. Yeah, check us out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to yours. That's Inside the Disney Vault. Let's go. Campfire.